And let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Luke. We're going to be in chapter 1. We're going to read verses 46 through 55. Uh, If you have a pew Bible, you can find it on page 1589. 1589. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it find the true hope that can only come through Christ. A world without hope is a world that is destructive. Just the other day, I I sat down with this homeless man and listened to him speak his mind for about an hour and a half on how the world had forgotten about him. And because of this, he said he had little reason to keep on living. This man was hopeless. I mean, think about what he said. The world had forgotten about him. Now, whether that that is true or not, this is what he believed in his heart, that that, that no one cared. And that his only option was was a path of self-destruction. Today, there there are many out there who are without hope. And in their despair, they have become destructive in nature, either to themselves or to to the ones that they love. Some turn to alcohol thinking that they can drown their troubles away in a bottle. Others look to, to drugs looking for, for that high in order, to, in order to escape. Then there are those who, who turn to sex, thinking that, that, that in physical pleasure they'll find the cure to their depression. And so they go from partner to partner looking for some kind of connection. But there are a few that are, that are so hopeless that, that the only way that they can deal with their pain is by cutting themselves. These are, these are people that have been so hurt and have become so numb to the world around them that they, they, they seek out pain in order to feel something real. Of course, when things get so low and when it seems that all hope is lost, and that there's no point in living, there are those who end up taking their own life. Suicide has become an, an epidemic in America today. In the last 20 years, the suicide rate has increased by more than 
And according to, to, to trends, it's estimated that nearly 50,000 Americans will have taken their own life in the year 2019 alone. But it's not just an American problem. Worldwide, it's, it's estimated that, that, that 800,000 will commit suicide each year. That's one person every 40 seconds. Dear friends, we, we live in a world that is crying out for hope. Proverbs 13, verse 12 states this, Hope deferred makes, a, makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Ever since the fall, life without hope is a miserable thing. In, in our first scripture reading, we saw the effects of man's sin. Because of our rebellion, God, God has placed a curse upon His creation. For the, for the woman, there will be pain in childbirth. And her desire will be for her husband, but he will rule over her. For the man, there will be toil in his work. And, and he will struggle in this life until the day he dies. The, the, the punishment for sin is a burden that is, that is too heavy for man to bear. And if this, if, if the curse was all that God had said, then there, truly, then there would truly be no hope at all. I mean, imagine the immense guilt that, and, and despair that Adam and Eve must have felt knowing that the consequences of their sin would impact every human being and the rest of creation. But fortunately, that is not all that God said. In fact, it is in the, in the first curse, the, the curse of the serpent, that God in His mercy grants to, to Adam and Eve a promise that they can cling on to. God had given them hope. Look at Genesis 1, verse 15. And I will put en enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What we see in this verse is God's first promise for salvation. In it, we see, we see God's justice upon that, that serpent of old, that one who had entrapped the first man and the first woman. And we also see God, God granting repentance to that man and to that woman as well. For he, he is breaking the bonds that, that had tied them to Satan, that, that one who lied to them. And, and he is drawing their affections back to him, to their creator. But finally, what we see in this, in this verse is hope. God had, had given them a promise to look forward to. It was, to be, it, was, it was to be the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, granting them victory over their enemy. And so, yes, they were cursed, but God did not leave them without any hope. And we see this hope being played out in Eve's reactions to the births of her sons. Look, look at Genesis 4, verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. 
Eve had, had recognized that this son of hers was a gift from God. Would he be the one who would crush the head of Satan? This, this Eve that we see in this verse is, is, is changed. She's very different from the Eve that we see in chapter 3. Instead of waffling on, on the truth of God's word, we see a hopeful woman clinging on to the promise that God had given to her. And even when Cain turned out not to be that son of promise, when he murdered his brother Abel, Eve did not lose hope. For look at what she said in verse 25. Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Again, she, she views Seth as, as a gift from God, a man that will wage war against the offspring of Satan and ultimately defeat that serpent with a powerful blow. Her hope for her future was through the fruit of her womb, a child to crush the head of the serpent. And what we read throughout the Old Testament follows this line of thinking. As we trace the lineage of Seth, we see the hope of God's blessings being passed down through a number of miraculous births. Think of the offspring of Sarah and, and the promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis 12. Look at verses 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then at the ripe old ages of 190, Abraham and Sarah saw their hope fulfilled as, as God had blessed them with their son Isaac. And it would be through the lineage of that boy that all the people of the earth would be blessed. Or think about Jochebed, who gave birth to a son in a time when there was no hope. Jewish boys were being slaughtered by Pharaoh. But Jochebed put her son into a basket and, and sent him off down the Nile River when he was only three months old. She had entrusted him into the Lord's hand. And this little boy found rescue through the daughter of Pharaoh, the, the very man who was trying to kill him. She adopted him as her own. And this daughter would, would name this boy Moses, and, and, and this child of hope would one day deliver his people out of a land of slavery and into a land of promise. <laughs> or think of Manoah, a, a barren woman who was living in a hopeless time, a time when her people were being oppressed by the Philistines. And then in Judges 13, we read this. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. That son would be named Samson. And he would one day rescue his people, the people of God, from the hands of the Philistines. These are just a, a, a few of the mothers from the Old Testament that, that foreshadowed the hope that we see in the new, the hope that came from another miraculous birth. 
Once again, it was the, the angel of the Lord who came to Mary, telling her that, that she had found favor with God, that she would be with child and give birth to a son, even though she was a virgin. And she was to name that boy Yeshua, or Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, for he would rescue his people from their sins. Which brings us to the Gospel of Luke and the, and the song that, that, that Mary had sung when, when, when she saw that her hope and the hope of all the mothers that went before her was going to be fulfilled. And there are, there are four things that we can learn from her words about hope. One, hope leads to worship. Two, hope is for the humble in heart. Three, hope remembers. And finally, hope looks to Jesus. Let's look at our first lesson. Hope leads to worship. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For those who are discouraged and in, in a state of gloom, praising the Lord can be a difficult thing. For they do not see all that the Lord has done for them, and thus they have nothing for which to glorify Him about. But as their eyes are open and as despair diminishes, gratitude and, and thankfulness go out to the one who brings such hope. Mary's hope came from God Almighty. This is why she praises His name. You see, true hope, it'll change a person. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, a hope in Christ removes the veil from our eyes, and it brings to us freedom. It, it makes us aware of the goodness of God and, and transforms us into a person whose uttermost desire is to give glory to God. This is why a person must be humble in order to receive such a hope. For a proud heart glorifies only itself. Look back at Mary's song at verses 48 through 50. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him 
from generation to generation. Mary had a humble heart. She understood her, her lowly state and the might of the Lord. She recognized her, her sinfulness and her need for God's mercy. Listen, hope looks beyond oneself. It looks to something greater. False hope looks to small things. It looks to the things of this world. Look at Psalm 33, verse 16. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. There are many out there today who put their hope in small things. Some trust in money. Others look to the government to, to take their worries away. But true hope looks to the Lord alone. And this is where, where Mary had placed her confidence. For she knew how great her God is. For true hope will also remember. Look at verses 51 through 53. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Often one needs to look to the past in order to find hope for the future. I mean, think about the difference between a Lions fan and a Patriots fan. At the beginning of the season, when the coach of the Lions says that the team's goal is nothing less than the Super Bowl, does he inspire much hope? No, right? And because neither he nor, nor that organization has any track record of such success. But when the coach of the Patriots says the same exact thing, people tend to listen. For in the past 18 years, they have gotten there nine times. And they've won it six. People look to the past in order to draw, in order to draw hope for the future. And Mary, she looked to the scriptures and remembered about the, uh, upon the many times when, when God had worked for the good of her people. Romans 15 verse 4 says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You see, hope, it, it, it must be in something real, something tangible. Hope for hope's sake is no hope at all. Simply telling a person that, that things will get better has no real value. A person's hope must be grounded on something solid, something genuine. For Mary, she looked to God's word and found the truth that she could cling to, the truth that gave her hope. She looked to the past in order to gain confidence for her future. And her future and the future of God's people was being formed 
in her womb. Look at our last two verses. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. The focus now shifts from the past to the present and to the fulfillment of God's promises. That, that, that promise of mercy, that promise to be a, a blessing to all nations, that promise to crush the head of the serpent, all of that was now being fulfilled in the offspring of the woman. And it was through this promise that Mary had placed her hope. For this son of hers, this Jesus, had, had finally arrived and the, and the deliverance of God's people was at hand. This same hope has come to each and every one of you as well. Dear friends, true hope looks to Jesus, to, to the God who became a man in order to rescue you from the curse that you are under, to the man who became an, an offering in order to die for your sins and to bring you back into a right relationship with God, to this offering who, who, who stuck out his heel, allowing the serpent to strike in order that he could crush the, the, the head of your enemy as he rose victoriously. <coughs> this Jesus is the hope for each and every one of you. It is a hope that, that extends to all men, no matter what their circumstances may be. And all you have to do is to look humbly upon the, on the, upon the offspring of the woman. To look upon him with repentant faith, remembering what he did for you, and rejoicing in the God of your salvation. Let us pray. Father, we are once again grateful for this, this Advent season. This time when we anxiously look forward to, to, to the, the, the coming of your Son. We ask now that you would guide us. Guide us in our thoughts. Guide us in our actions by your Holy Spirit. And that you would grant us the hope that can only come through, through, through Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you.